Scott Kingery is finally in Lehigh Valley. Michael Saunders is finally off the Philadelphia Phillies. Good things are afoot in Philadelphia, correct? Well, maybe not quite. Corey Sharp is here to talk about the 2018 Phillies because we don't want to talk about this year's. Yep, we are looking into the future this week on the Phillies Nation podcast. Let us roll. Yo, Phillies Nation. Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. This is episode number 14. I am Ken Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com. Go to philliesnation.com for all of your news, rumors, information, and more about the Philadelphia Phillies. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, on Twitter at philliesnation, and on Instagram at philliesnation underscore. The podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation. The podcast this week is a little different. I'm on vacation enjoying the beautiful Rocky Mountains in Colorado. So we have a elongated interview this week with Corey Sharp of PhilliesNation.com. Corey, one of our writers, we talked, him and I, about the 2018 Phillies. Because I didn't want to talk about the 2017 Phillies for the entire show. And uh, Corey and I just basically went over what we thought the roster for 2018 would be, going over a 25-man roster, all the way up and down from catcher all the way to the bullpen. So that is a fun, I guess, 40 minutes or so of the podcast. Uh, That'll come up in a little bit. But let's talk really quick about the news of the current team as much as it pains me to talk about it. The Phillies, at this point, have only won two games this week. They do have a game today against the Diamondbacks to finish off that series. But they took one from the Cardinals, and they took one from the Diamondbacks. Good pitching from Marinola, who looks fantastic again uh, up and down this year, but hopefully he can have a little bit of a stretch of good play, get his ERA into the mid-threes if that's possible. And that's a piece that we can build on in the starting rotation. Pieces that we can build on in the minor leagues, of course, Scott Kingery on Sunday was promoted to Lehigh Valley, and it is about time. He's done all he had to do in Reading. 313 with a 379 OBP, 608 slugging percentage, 18 home runs, 19 stolen bases, 18 doubles. Completely, completely and utterly outstanding in AA. The best player basically in all of AA baseball this year. I would argue he deserves that call up. And we talked about that a few weeks ago that he deserved it then. He just continued to play well, had another hot streak, and now he's going to Lehigh Valley. Don't expect him to be in Philadelphia this season, unless it's September, and that's a different story. September call-ups will happen, and I assume that Kingery will be part of that. But don't expect him to be part of the Phillies before that. Reason being, Cesar Hernandez will be back from the DL pretty soon, and there's no need to have Kingery on the bench or Cesar on the bench. One of them should be starting in one level and the other should be starting in the other level and if the Phillies can extract some sort of a value for Cesar Hernandez I don't know if they could do it by the trade deadline and we'll talk about that with Corey in a little bit but if they could do it by the offseason they really should try to do that because Kingery to me looks set as next year's opening day second baseman that seems to be the timeline at this point if Kingery can just do what he did not even he has to he doesn't even have to play the way he played in Reading in Lehigh Valley he just has to play relatively well and he'll 
pretty much get the jab out of spring training to be the Phillies starting second baseman. Of course, the current quote-unquote starting second baseman on the Phillies, Howie Kendrick, has his own problems. Another injury. The Phillies are trying to keep him off the DL, but he has not started the last few games. Chances are, if he does go on the DL, again, I, I wouldn't see a Scott Kingry call-up. I would more imagine that Andres Blanco and Ty Kelly kind of take over that job. And the Phillies maybe promote Nick Williams to an outfield spot. Of course, right now you have Aaron Altair in one of the corners, and you have Daniel Nava basically playing one of the corners, and Odubel in center. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Williams comes up. Of course, Cameron Perkins was called up as well this past week, and we'll talk about that in a second. But if the Phillies want to see Nick Williams starting every day, this is the opportunity. And Cam Perkins, as much as I think he deserves to get some really good time for the Phillies to see what he can do, ultimately I think Cam Perkins is much more of a fourth outfielder type than a starter. I wouldn't be so mad having Perkins off the bench. Nick Williams should get a starting spot, and this is really the opportunity. Michael Saunders, as we had mentioned, his name, no more with the team. He was released after being designated for assignment last week. That, of course, was done so that the Phillies could potentially get some value from him off of waivers. Never happened. Nobody wanted him, so the Phillies released him instead. They also released Jenmar Gomez, who, in my estimation, should have been traded last year when he was pitching well by being a smoke and mirrors closer, but all's well that ends poorly. No more for Gomez, no more for Saunders. It stinks that Michael Saunders is gone. Um, I expected so much more from him, and he did not produce whatsoever, hitting just around 200, not really giving you anything as far as a slugging production bat. So very, very disappointing year for Michael Saunders, and disappointed that they couldn't get any value, disappointed that he couldn't really bridge the gap to any of the guys in Lehigh Valley. But here we are. Perkins is now with the team. Hasn't started too well, but he'll get some more time. I would love to see Nick Williams get up here sooner than later. Other than that, there's really nobody who deserves to be on the team at this point. Dylan Cousins probably needs a little more seasoning in AAA. Roman Quinn, of course, has been hurt a lot, so that's another story. And that's it. Um, Kingery, of course, to me, will take another few months. Maybe next season, opening day, it's his job. Maybe next season, opening day, Nick Williams is here. Maybe next season, opening day, we have a totally different ball club. That would be great, right? I I believe so. <laughs> the last matter we have to turn to real quick before I turn it to Corey Sharp is this whole drama with Pat Neshek, who for two consecutive days had problems with Pete McCannon, where Neshek said McCannon never said anything about coming back in for a second inning of work or coming into a game. And Pat Neshek uh, saying, or excuse me, Pete McCannon saying, I asked Neshek and he said he didn't want to go out. So there is a miscommunication between Neshek and McCannon about whether one should go in the game or not. That, to me, A, I think Pat Neshek is trying to keep himself from getting hurt, keep himself from getting hit too much. He's trying to preserve himself so he can go to a team that can win. Uh, the Phillies can try to get some sort of value for him at the trade deadline, and they should. I think if I'm the Phillies, I wouldn't be too upset about Pat Neshek because this guy is looking out for himself. And as much as it's kind of ugly that he's sort of not thinking about the team first, this team isn't playing well. And I don't blame the guy for trying to look out for himself. So if I'm the Phillies, I just kind of keep it quiet. 
That said, Pete McCannon is not keeping it quiet. And this isn't the first time that Pete McCannon has had a problem with a reliever. We all remember the Joaquin Benoit problems early in the season. Let's go back to the first week of the year when Jenmar Gomez was taken out of the closer role. McCannon immediately put Benoit in the closer role. And Benoit said he was shocked. He didn't see it coming. Okay, that's one thing. But then, later on, he removed Benoit from the closer role. And then he put him in the eighth inning. Didn't really apparently tell him anything. And Benoit spoke out as the veteran leader of the bullpen saying, I had no idea what was going on. Nobody's communicating here. This isn't good. Then there were some Joel Rodriguez problems where McCannon apparently had made him upset before Joel was traded, uh, let go from this team. It seems that there is a pattern with Pete McCannon and especially the relief pitchers that they don't quite get what Pete McCannon is trying to do. And maybe that has to do with the coaching in the bullpen. Maybe that's not all McCannon's fault. Maybe that has to do with pitching coach Bob McClure. I'm not sure, but clearly there are communication problems. Whether it's on Nishak or on McCannon or on the coaching staff, there are communication problems. It's just another stain for this team. They need to work this out. This needs to be nipped in the bud now because this team looks like a total failure. 24-50 and 50 heading into Monday's action. They're on pace to lose more than 100 games, one of the worst Phillies teams of all time. This needs to stop now. Pete McCannon needs to put his foot down in this clubhouse. We haven't heard about that happening yet. It needs to happen because this team needs to be able to be a one unified group, sort of a unified one world kind of a group. I don't know if I'm being too idealistic here, but this team needs to stop being a failure in all forms. On the field is one thing, but if there's more miscommunication problems in the clubhouse, that speaks more to the manager and the coaching staff in time than it does to the players. And that needs to stop right now by Pete McCannon. So now, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I want to bring in Corey Sharp of PhilliesNation.com, one of my esteemed writers, to talk about 2018, because we can't talk about 2017 anymore. Am I right, Corey? Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Um, So for this podcast, since we're having kind of a special podcast this week, I asked Corey to come up with a 25-man roster for the 2018 Phillies, and I will do the very same myself, and we'll kind of debate you know, where we think the Phillies might go. Um, this is sort of our preference, I would say. I don't know if we're kind of going off of what Clentac would do, but I think I'm so I'm kind of in line with what maybe Clentac might do. I did predict that Pat Neshek and Michael Saunders were going to be on this team this year. Didn't work out well for one of them, but I did predict that. So I think I'm in line with Clentac. I don't know about you, Corey. Do you feel like you're like an inner Clentac, or you do you want to go bigger than that? Um, I mean, I, I pretty much went with my gut, I guess, what, what I would do okay. more so. I, I mean, I guess I guess a little bit of both, actually. A little bit of both. Okay, I mean, we we kind of want to see, like, a, I think we want to see a team that finally competes for something next year. Um, right. No more, you know, well, this could be a 55-win team this year. None of that, okay? <laughs> we don't want that yeah. this year, next year. But um, all right. Let let let's go through. Let let's do this here. Let's go through the twenty-five man roster for two thousand eighteen. What we think the Phillies are probably going to do, and what we're kind of hoping we, they could do too. Um, okay. Starting catcher, who do you got? I have Jorge Alfaro. Okay, me too. Um, me too. Talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I think pretty much a, a shoe in. Um, for for the most part, I, I think he should be ready by by next April. 
yeah, he's got no more options uh, left, no more minor league options left after this year. So either the Phillies have to put him on the major league roster next year or they have to, like, waive him. And I think most every team in baseball would want to pick up a 24-year-old, you know, catcher who's got the skills to potential be an all-star catcher. So there's no way that the Phillies do not put him on the 25-man roster next year. And once they do that, he's got to be the starter. He has to play every day. Yep. All right, so that's easy. First base. I have Reese Hoskins. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I think we we've kind of seen the uh, the ceiling of Tommy Joseph. I mean, especially, of course, there's still over half the season left. But you know, I mean, he's a two sixty, two sixty five hitter. Um, I, I think you can get better than that, and I, and I think I think Hoskins can be better than that. Yeah, I think Joseph at the plate is sort of one-and-a-half-dimensional. Um, he's got power, and he's got a little bit of a contact bat, but he doesn't really um, take pitches all too well. He strikes out a little too much still. I mean, he's getting better, you know, and, and, he, and he's, you know, he, he's worked on that OBP in the last uh, year and a half. His defense is good, but I'm with you. I think Hoskins gives you such potential, and first base is a fickle position for me. I think, you know, you don't want to – you got to really have a big time hitting first baseman, especially in the National League, where you have one less position to work with on the offensive end. So I feel like you got to if, if if Joseph doesn't work after two years, you have to go with the next thing, and the next thing is Hoskins. So far, he's hitting the ball really well in Lehigh Valley. Why not have him on this team? So I, I'm with you on Hoskins. I think they trade Joseph. I don't think they're going to trade Joseph this year. I think they'll do it in the off season and get less value on him. But do you think they'll do it this year? Um, I mean, not not during the season. I don't think because like the jury's still kind of out on him. So like, I, it's hard to even gauge what what he really is worth to me. So I, I think you'll get a lot. And if he keeps up, you know, it's two sixty, two sixty five, two seventy, you know, and and puts up twenty five home runs. I think he'll. He'll get you something back, but but like right now and into July, I really don't think you you can trade him. He's got a, I mean, I don't know, like two sixty fine, but he's like three twelve OBP as of going into uh, third Wednesday's game. Um, just he's so he's kind on of one dimensional. He's not even one and a half dimensional, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like on the fringe as a as a major league starter. I, yeah, I, I mean, if that. And I think that, like, the ship is almost sailing for them to get real value from him. So I think this is the time. Like, just cycle him out, you know? If Hoskins doesn't work in a year and a half, then you get someone off the free agent market, right? Like, I don't feel like it's a big deal to kind of stray away from the organization for first base. Um, all right, second base. The man, the myth, the legend, Scott King. There it is. <laughs> well, the most talk- I think he's he's got to be the most talked about uh, prospect. I mean, I, I've ever come across in, in my lifetime. I mean, he. There is so I never seen hype surrounded. Were you alive? Were you alive during the Dominic Brown era? <laughs> I was alive. True. No, that's true. But you are I mean, young. I, I mean, you are really young, dude. Yeah, I, I think Kingery takes it to another level. And and you know, you know me. I've written a few pieces on uh, Cesar Hernandez. I'm a Cesar guy, but man, it's like you, you just can't ignore. What, what he's doing. I mean, the guy just seems destined for the moment. Yeah. I No, I, I think he's got an incredible ability to just do the regular things, right? He can run. He has a pretty good glove. Um, 
you know, he's seems to have a good eye, and then on top of that, he just brought this amazing power, which I think is somewhat Redding, a little bit is Redding, right? But I think a lot of it is just him being a better hitter. And so that definitely, I think, is, is in his favor, and he looks like he's going to be at least a league average player for a while at second base. I'm actually going with Cesar for next year. Um, he does have one more year of uh, arbitration. Well, he has a couple more years of arbitration, I should say. Um, he is a he's a super he's a super two player. So the Phillies are going to have to kind of either give him a long term deal or get value for him. And because of the injury, there's no value for him right now. Like right. I feel like it's going to take a little bit longer for them to get more value from him after like as the year progresses. So in my like mind, where I think I'm Matt Klentak, I think they're going to hold on to Cesar until like. June of next year and then bring up Kingery. Um, and I think that might be too late because Cesar's value was actually really, really high in like May of this year. So yeah. right, right. Like, like it's like, it's like, it's like the common fault of this front office is that they just don't pounce early enough and you shouldn't pounce early enough on most guys, but they haven't pounced early enough on guys like Cesar and Freddie Galvis and even Michael Franco. We'll get to that in a second. So, uh-huh. I feel like Cesar will be here as like the stopgap until Scott Kingery comes in, but I think Kingery will be the starter at some point by next year. Okay, and you don't see Hernandez being traded in the off season? I like. I feel like his value is really low. Like, I mean, I mean, I guess he could come back second half and put on a really hot like couple. Like, he could put on a hot couple months. And but but the, but I think a lot of teams will like know that oh the Phillies just want to bring up Kingery so we're not going to like give him a lot of value so I feel like Klentak's going to kind of just say screw it Hernandez is kind of sailed because of the value uh, is not as high as I thought it would be and just let him sort of be the stopgap and then like trade him for like a small prospect and then resume the next year right okay all right um here's an here's an interesting one third base. Third base. I mean, I I still have uh, like Franco. Um, you know, I, I obviously no, nobody's happy with with the way he's played. Um, and they could do a couple things that they could keep Cesar and play him at third base. I, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago on, on our last podcast. But I I think he just has he has too much potential to to you know give up on him. I mean, I think next year is kind of his sink or swim year. Um, but I, I see him on the. I see him as your starting third baseman in 2018. Okay, I, I thought this was his sinker swim year. So I see them. This is weird and off the board, but they're going to sign Todd Frazier to a two-year contract in the offseason. Mm. which is really weird and doesn't make sense at like a like like, you know, if if you're trying to see young guys perform standpoint. But I think Michael Franco will have wore out his welcome by the end of this year, and the front office is going to say, you know what, let's cut bait. I feel like the Saunders move was the first in a line of moves that are going to happen over the next year that are going to be like, all right, we know the answer to this question, let's move on. We know the answer to this question, let's move on. Like, I feel like Cesar is part of that, but like Cesar, they can still get some value out of him on the field. Whereas Michael Franco, I feel like like he's – 
he's not even league average at third base. He's he's at the bottom of the starting barrel at third base. So I can see them getting like Frazier on a two-year deal. He has power. He's having an off year this year, but he's not off like Michael Franco. He has the track record. I could see him being like with the team next year. The power in the ballpark would be playing really well. He's a stopgap until they like trade for Manny Machado or some ridiculous stuff like that. I just feel like that's the move. Yeah, I mean that that's um, that's definitely feasible. Um, and I, I would I would agree that yeah he he is starting to wear out his welcome, but what, he's still what twenty four. Um, I, I still think he obviously has growing to do, and and he'll be given that chance. No, I mean I hope Every he does. Other. I honestly hope he does. I hope that the Phillies don't give up on Michael Franco. And I, it's more fifty per, It's more like seventy thirty that they don't like. They'll they'll likely give him more of a chance next year. But right. there's that thirty percent of me that is a little Negadelphian, and I'm like, okay, like they might just decide that he's not going to be good enough. He's not going to be able to ever fix his swing, and he's not going to want to change. You know, so mm-hmm. that's me. I don't know. I could be wrong. I might be wrong. Uh, I probably am wrong. But if if I'm wrong, if I'm right, we'll come back to this podcast. <laughs> All right. Here's another interesting one. Shortstop. Shortstop. I I have I saw Freddie Galvis. Uh, <laughs> obviously, we know uh, JP Crawford um, is is the heir apparent. But Clintac has, and this is where I, I went off of Clintac. Like I did a little bit on on my own, um, my gut, and then Clintac. What I think he would do. This is a, a complete Clintac. So uh, Crawford is hitting, still hitting 194 in AAA, and Clintac said that he's not going to bring guys up unless they're ready. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're hitting 194, he can be down there 20 years. He's he's not coming up. I hope he's not down there 20 years, dude. <laughs> uh, For I, his I, sake. Yeah, I but I think Clintac's whole deal was when he, when he last time he spoke was he doesn't want guys to come up and then send them back down. And that that's their philosophy. So I mean, if you're if you're not succeeding in Triple A, you're not sniffing the big leagues. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to prospect readiness than any of us who sort of look at the team from afar actually know. Um, we can look at stats and say he's not hitting well, or he's hitting really well, in like the case of Reese Hoskins or something like that, or Scott Kingery, and have our opinions. But I think. The people who are there every day and the scouts who watch, because the team has scouts watching these teams too, they see these guys every day and know how they're performing, how they're working on things, where their swing is going, where their mind is. And I think J.P. Crawford has probably still a ways to go. I actually think I think they're going to move him. I, I, like, I don't think they're going to move him, but I'm, I'm saying for this, for this exercise that they're going to package him in a deal for a starting pitcher and or an outfielder and it'll be Freddie Galvis back here next year as the starting shortstop in, in a stopgap role. So I'm with you on, on the Galvis thing. Yep. I, I just, I feel like Crawford, I mean, his value isn't extremely high right now because he's struggled so much, but he still can net a, a decent, a really decent, return, you know, because he does have such youth and he's uh, got so many other things going for him. His fielding is good. His his, his game sort of um, the way he looks at the game is really good. He's smart, all that stuff. So that all is there. But I, mean, I just he, think I, overall, I'm not sure. 
Right. I mean, he's hitting 194, and his on-base percentage is still 310. Yeah. Still, yeah. still better than Galvis in the major league level. <laughs> yeah. Anything's better than Gal. Well, Michael Saunders might not have been better than Galvis. But. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to the outfield. So who do you got in your three outfield positions? Um, now, this is the one here. Ro- Roman Quinn. I have Roman Quinn. Obviously, I know he gets hurt every single year. But if you're going to tell me <laughs> start out there opening day, I would think he'd be healthy on opening day. So I, I have Roman Quinn. I have Aaron Altair and Nick Williams. Wow. Wait. Whoa. So what happens to Odubel? Um, I, I don't know. I talk. Speaking of wearing out, you're welcome. You know, that, we talked about that with Franco. I, I think he uh, he's going to wear out his welcome here by, by the time the year is over. And I don't. But what what I don't does know. that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, wear out his welcome? Like, what do you mean? I, I don't. You know, there's been plenty of instances instances where where he hasn't run out balls. Um, oh. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not. They signed him to a five-year extension, Core. <laughs> yeah, he's not getting paid until the, the two option years, really. But um, that that so, contract is still on him, so like they they put a commitment on him, though. Well, it makes it makes it very easy to trade, though. It, well, it's an, easy, it's an easier trade chip, yes, because it is a team-friendly contract. But like I'm saying, the commitment that they gave to to, to Herrera, like. The running out a couple balls a season kind of thing that he does, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, to me, I, I just, I know he's just a headache, and, and I, don't, I don't know if he, if he's, if he's that good to where, to where you want to put up with it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a, not a huge fan of the, of the way he plays the game. I'll put it that way. Uh, so I, that, that on my gut, I'm not saying I don't, I don't really know how they feel, how the Phillies feel, but. You know, I I, don't, I can't say they love the way he plays. You know, he he does do stuff that's you know on the base pass. He, he's at times a bonehead. You know, he does things. So you know, I don't know. I, I think he's gonna. I, I don't know. I don't. I I, I don't know if, I, if they're gonna trade him or not. But I don't. I don't see him starting. Well, I I totally disagree. I think he's a very good player. I think he has a track record of major league success, and this year has been. Definitely like a step back in some ways, but I think it's also going to help him. I think he's the kind of player that will rebound from this kind of season. Um, and his fielding is so good this year. He's actually improved tremendously, and he was not an outfielder to start his entire professional career. So I just feel like he's he's the only player on this offense right now, really, who is young enough and and has the ethic and the ability to improve on a dramatic scale still. So yeah. I don't know. I like, he's not, he's not like a franchise player, but I feel like he's like a really, really good role player on a good baseball team. So I, I there's no way I don't think they get rid of him. No, I, and they may not get rid of him. Um, it's funny last but year, put you know, him on the was, bench either. No, that that's what I'm saying. Like last year, I remember, you know, he was in such a, a rut, like after the month of June, I forget he hit like 220 or 230 until September, and and when Ro- the day after the day of Roman Quinn's call up in September, he finished the month of September hitting over 350 or 360. So I don't know. I think he'll hold, actually. It, it may wake him up. It's you know I wouldn't get well, rid of him, but I, I would just send him a little message that not you know you can't take anything for granted and. And, and right, and I, I think it and end up it and could end up helping him in the long run. So when you say waking up, I do think there is something that can wake him up, and it's look, 
Herrera has been one of the very few constants on a team that has been tremendously bad for the last couple of years. And that has to weigh on any baseball player. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you're getting paid. It, it sucks when you're losing 100 games a year. I think the sight of Giancarlo Stanton next to him in right field next season is going to really help him out. So I'm going with Giancarlo Stanton in my outfield with Odubel Herrera and the wild card, Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins, okay. I think... And the other I think I think Cousins, I think he doesn't develop much more than what he is at this point. I think there's a little bit more he can do against left-handed pitching, um, and the plate discipline has improved a little bit actually. But I think he's basically what he needs to be as a prospect. He's a good glove. He can hit. I mean, he's a good enough glove. He can hit obviously for power. He's got a decent contact bat. Um, it's improved at times this year. I think it's more the lefty stuff that is the big problem. But I think he's just about where he needs to be. And I think they will give him a job out of spring training. I think Roman Quinn is too hurt all the time and comes off the bench. I think Nick Williams is not on this team next year. I think Aaron Altair gets traded because his value is decently high right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded in the the, uh, trade deadline this year. But I think it's going to be Giancarlo Stanton on a major trade. And I think that's the trade where J.P. Crawford is involved. And potentially, I don't know if Altair is involved in that trade, but I'm thinking like an offseason trade where like J.P. Crawford is involved plus – Maybe Nick Williams plus, like, Mickey Moniak or something. I don't know. Right. That's, that's, I mean, the reason why I have Nick Williams instead of Dylan Cousins, because Nick Williams has been in, in AAA for, for, seems like forever. Yes. Seems like 20 years. No, he has. Uh, a year and a half. So I, I think you, you finally run him out there just to see what he's got. I mean, you know, a year and a half is a long time in AAA. And and this is Dylan Cousins' first full year in AAA, so you know, and I so it shows that the Phillies they they take their time, they they don't rush their guys, so that, that's why I give the nod over Nick Williams. No, I think Nick, I think Nick definitely deserves to be on this team. I think the only time that happens is if there's like a Howie Kendrick trade, right? I think there needs to be a starting spot open for him, um, but there could be an Aaron Altair trade, which I would not. I would not, like, say that doesn't happen. I think that could happen. He's one of the very few players on this team that has decent value right now. So I think that will happen at some point if there's an opening. But they also might just not have what it takes to make – they might not like whatever they're getting back, and they might not make a trade, and they might decide to keep Nick Williams down in AAA and then trade him in the offseason. I don't know. I I just – I feel like this group of people running this team – are like looking for the big fish, and they'll do anything they they can to get that big fish. As much of as it's a pun, it's definitely a pun that they would get Stan, who's a big fish. But I think that that's the mo for this offseason. Right now, do you see like that there were rumblings that Yelich would be in that deal? Do you see that happening as well, or just be Stan? I, I don't. I feel like that's like insurance for like we're taking on a really big contract, so. I think that'll kind of. I think they might get a player in return with Stanton, but I don't. I don't think Yelich is that guy. I think with Herrera, Yelich is sort of redundant, um, and I. I think they'd rather maybe get a, an arm. You know, like I don't know why you would need another outfielder with him. Like that report of like the Phillies thinking that they don't have good enough outfield prospects is ridiculous. They have good outfield prospects. Like they actually have one of the better outfield prospect, you know, collections in the game right now. So I I think it's more like Stanton plus 
some sort of like triple A pitcher who's like on the verge of being a major league starter, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Let's go. Let's go to the bench. Let's go to the bench real quick. Who are the five guys, including backup catcher and probably fourth outfielder, utility guy, or whatever else on your bench? Um. I mean, more teams. Do more teams go with a four-man bench now and an extra pitcher in their bullpen? I mean, I, I, uh, I have a, a four-man bench. I have uh, Jesmuel Valentine, who is the the last cut for this year. I, I think he could be that utility guy who can play pretty much anywhere. Uh, Andrew Knapp, I think, will, will be the backup catcher. Play. I think he could play two times a week, something like that. Um, Cameron Perkins, who it's funny, I think, you know, including us, at least me, I, I never really talked about him uh, as much as I probably should. The guy really did hit in in, in his minor league career. Uh, this year he was hitting, I believe, 298 in AAA, and one of the better hitting prospects they had, I mean, if you look at it numbers-wise. Yeah. So I, I think he could be a, a decent, very decent, you know, fourth or fifth outfielder. And then I... I have another uh, free agent that I would bring in that I saw that is a free agent this year because they're really not going to have many veteran leadership. Yeah, this year they, they signed Howie Kendrick and Saunders, which obviously you know didn't work out. But uh, I think Jason Worth that, that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> Bringing him back, um, you know, as a as an out, you know, I don't think he would start, but you know, as just as a veteran guy who who knows Philadelphia. Uh, he even said it himself. You know, he's not ruling it out. Uh, so I, I think he could be a, a really good um, just presence in the locker room for, for the guys. You know, like like Howie Kendrick is this year, something like that. That's not that's not terrible. I, I like I, I fight with that because Worth was kind of on my short list of guys who I might want to bring back for next year. But I almost feel like this front office is aggressively avoiding memories of 2008 like they really want to build a totally new team right. um what would the what would the worth reaction be like with the, with the what do you how do you think fans would respond i think they'd love it yeah i really do you know it's like you know, he, he said some stuff on the on the way out you know and, and now he plays for for the rival the nationals but if he, he, he comes back he's in our uniform i think they love it they, they know what he did for us so i think they'd love it Okay. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. I, I could. I could potentially see that happening. Um. So my bench, I would go with. So I think the backup catcher is not going to be anyone in house right now. I think it'll be someone like. I like. I, I really like, and he's not really much of anything at this point anymore. Is Kurt Suzuki, um, very good defensive catcher, good leader. Uh his bat can play sometimes. I think they really like this team needs to get a backup catcher who can just show uh, Jorge Alfaro how to be a catcher and, and catch pitching. Like that's it. Like right. doesn't need to be a bat. Doesn't need to be any like AJ Ellis would be great again. Like I would, yeah. I, I wish they kept AJ Ellis for this year. Like, this, like he would have been perfect on this team, but yeah. like a veteran, like well-established defensive pitcher, friendly catcher is like what I want there infield. I actually think they'll bring back Andres Blanco once again. Like he's such a leader in this clubhouse, and even though his offense is really starting to tail off anymore, like he is that kind of personality, like Jason Worth, who provides a stability, and he's really good with the other uh, Latin players, and that really helps. 
Um, I also agree with you on Jesmel Valentin. I think he will be the utility guy off the bench. Um, he basically could have been that guy midseason here, but it just didn't work out for him with the injury. Um, mm-hmm. And then for the outfield, um, Roman Quinn was on my bench. I just think Roman like will probably settle into being a backup and the guy off the bench who gets his steals and that kind of thing. Um, right. And then – for my other pick, like this is weird, but I'm gonna go with like a one year deal for Curtis Granderson. Okay. A, a guy who can like just come off the bench and club a little bit. He'll hit really. He can maybe hit a couple home runs in his ballpark. Um, you know he's not. You know he's toward the end of his career and may not provide much at this point. But I think you're right in like a veteran player. I'm just like avoiding Jason Worth because I don't know if. Like I feel like Jason Worth with the Phillies again would be almost too good to be true, I guess, or like too too right. on the nose for this team, right? Yeah, yeah. I I've heard nothing but great things about Curtis Granderson, what, what kind of guy and teammate and leader he is. Yeah, and and he might be like, you know, I need to look up his numbers for this year because I'm not like helping myself at all with this argument. But I feel like he would be a relatively. Like he might be a little expensive for a one-year deal, but he's at the such at the end of his career that I feel like they can get him for like a year, six million or something like that. I mean, he's hitting okay. He's having a bad year. Two eleven, two eleven with seven home runs. So coming off the bench for the Mets basically all year. But you know, like as a fifth outfielder type, I don't think that's a bad like for a team that will probably aim to win like seventy-five to eighty games next year. Which it sucks that we're talking about that, but. I guess that's what it's going to be. Um, yep. Okay, so starting rotation. Who who are the five guys in your starting rotation? And and good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so. I tried so hard. It's like you're putting it together, and it's like, oh, I'm leaving this guy out. I'm leaving that guy out. What do they do with this guy? So it's, it's crazy. So I have I have Aaron Nolan, Nick Pavetta. Um, I have Zach Eflin. I really like Eflin. Um, I love, I wrote a, a piece about him early in the year. I love his makeup. I mean, the guy gets shelled in Toronto in his opening, uh, you know, his major league debut, and then throws two complete games, want, want a shutout. And I know he had a, a bad end of the year, yeah, but he, had, he was having knee problems. Started out real good this year again, had three or four straight quality starts, and then, you know, kind of fell off. The wheels fell off. But I, I really like him. I, I really love his makeup. And I, I like what I've seen from Ben Lively. Um, you know, he's just a guy that, that keeps you in the game. Kind of just, I, I feel like he's more of a, a Jared Eikhoff type. He's yeah. Just, he's going to keep you in the game pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, uh, the, the last spot is, is killing me. I, I really have no idea because I don't know if you can go into next season with that kind of rotation w- without, a, um, without a veteran. No, you need to, so, have, I mean, you need I, to have a big I, name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have Tom Eshelman. I mean, the guy is really emerging in AAA, but I do think they're going to go out and get a free agent. Um, and I, I kind of like Jaime Garcia. I've been a Jaime Garcia guy for a while. They could have had him um, this year, too. Yeah, yeah. And his career ERA, I believe, is 3.57, and he has a 3.59 ERA with the Braves this year. He's their best pitcher. Um, and and just where, where I really started liking him was when um, in the 2011 playoffs, when when I forget what game it was, game three I believe it was in St. Louis. The only 
mistake he made was a three-run home run to Ben Francisco, and the Phillies won that game three to two. But I, I really like the way he pitches. Um, he's a professional, and you know, talk about keeping you in the game. Yeah, and he, he really, I think, at times he has like no hit stuff. I mean, he he really has movement on his pitches. I like watching him pitch. So I I would go him as, as my free agent guy, as you know, your fifth starter. Yeah, he probably start opening day, but you know, as a guy to bring in as a as a veteran, he he's my guy. So I think. I, I'm a little I'm a little different. I agree with you on Noah because I think he's like there's there's so much potential with Noah and we've seen it and the strikeout to walk is really still good despite the bad ERA. So I like Noah. Um I like Pavetta too. I think Pavetta has potential to be like a good back end starter. Um as we're doing this he uh was uh up 5-3 to three against the Cardinals, then he left the game, and of course the Phillies gave up a run in the eighth inning, but um, he seems like, like a good... He, to me, feels like the Eichhoff type, right? Um, right. Then, like, after the two of them, like Nola Pavetta, like, I get really... Like like you, like, I have no idea. I think their big free agent is going to be Jake Arrieta, um, wow. who is having a down year right now with Chicago. I mean, he's pitching, like... Like from the from the surface, four six four ERA, but his FIP is actually relatively lower than that, four oh eight. He's got a still good very very good strikeout to walk ratio, eighty six to twenty five. Um like I could see the Phillies like going in deep with him on like a five year deal, four to five year deal, like twenty some million a year, and that wouldn't even be like the ace of the future staff. I think like he would be a great number two, like two years down the road when they finally get their ace. So I like Arietta, I like Nola, I like Pavetta. I'd probably say Lively would be, like, my number five starter going into the season. Um, uh-huh. And then I think, like, Eshelman, Eflin all have a chance to kind of get into that conversation. Then the other starter spot, like, I'm, like, looking around. I just don't know, like, who it would be. You know, I like, I could see them potentially going with an Eshelman, but I could also see them going with, like, I don't know, like, 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 like almost Helixson coming back on like a like a cheap one year deal would be like like a a possibility you know like I right. feel like they need to have like they always get a second veteran right like last year they had uh, Charlie Morton this year they had Clay Buckholtz I feel like they need to like get that second veteran because there's so much like they're so fungible here at the starting starting rotation so like I could see them going with like a Helixson again or yeah they go into the season with someone like Eshelman or, you know, maybe Eflin, but definitely Nola, definitely um, Pavetta, Pavetta, and I would say Arietta and Jake and Lively would probably be, like, part of that rotation, too. But I don't I don't right. think – so you didn't have Eikhoff on the rotation. I did not, no. Nah. What, what happens I mean, there? I, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they get rid of – maybe he could, he could pitch in the bullpen, but I, I think he's kind of run, run its course. I think you, you kind of know, know what he is. He's a fourth or fifth starter to me, and he's already 27. He's turning 27 in um, in July. So, uh, you know, to me, I don't I don't think he serves much of a purpose in, in the rotation. I think you have guys you have better options than him. It's amazing to me that like last year we were talking about Eikhoff as like a potential number three in a playoff series if he like only like kind of gets that change up to where it needs to be. And this year we're now talking about is he even going to be on a major league rotation next year? <laughs> 
it's just insane. Right, like yeah. these guys have just fallen off so hard this year. Yeah, uh, and he's on the DL as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many DL stints for him. What's that? And they all, a lot of these guys have gotten hurt, which doesn't help. Not yeah, hurt. I could actually see Jake Thompson in this starting rotation next year. Um, I think his struggles this year are a little bit more workable, and I think he has the stuff to still be like a decent mid rotation starter. Mm. Okay. Uh, bullpen, which is the hardest thing to do. And I know you told me offline that this was this was tough, and it is tough. Like you could basically throw like five guys into a pile yeah. to say that's the bullpen. But what do you think? Um, well, I, I have Vince Velasquez in the bullpen. Okay, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna put him there too. I, I think that <laughs> you know, I, it, I think enough's enough with him. You know, I think it's time to make the move because um, he's hurt again which we just talked about. So I have him in the bullpen. I mean, probably as your closer. Uh, Hector Naris. Um, I do have Edebre Roms. I know he's kind of been a, a disappointment this year, but he's still young, he's, and he still has stuff. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, it's Jessen Terrian, who, uh, yep. who's been promoted uh, to AAA recently. He's kind, he's kind of struggled a little bit. He has a 3.48 ERA in, in, um, in AAA. But um, he seems to have great stuff. And, and Hobie Milner is, is probably the lefty um, that prob- yeah, that, that comes up that they'll need. I think he's, you think he's a better option than Adam Morgan? Uh, yes. <laughs> that was a question. <laughs> I was more facetious, but, you know. So the, those, are the, those are like, I guess, yeah, they're seven or eight bullpen arms. So the, those are the... One, two, three, four, five definites that, that I have. And I guess the, the other three could be Luis Garcia, Mark Leiter. Oh. You go out and get a guy. Lefty, I saw Jake McGee out there. Addison Reed. I mean, it could be anybody. Good God. could be Pat Neshek again. Well, yeah, well, no. I hope they I hope they get value for Pat Neshek this year. Um, so well, I, mean, I agree with Reed. you on Velasquez. I agree with you on Edubrey Ramos. I think he's young, and I think there is potential there that, you know, relievers are fungible. You just got to give him a year. I agree with you on Hobie Milner. I think he should be a lefty out of this pen. I mean, we haven't seen him pitch yet in the majors, but I would assume that he – I mean, this is – by the way, recording this on Wednesday, so he probably has pitched at this point. But um, I think he's he's got potential to be a decent lefty uh, coming in, you know, specialist kind of thing. So, Velasquez – Excuse me, um, Ramos, Milner. I like Juan Nicasio, who uh, is playing for Pittsburgh, and he has a two three seven ERA. I think he was just moved to closer recently, and Pittsburgh's not very good, so they're kind of like shuffling guys around too. But he's got thirty two strikeouts and ten walks. He's just having a really nice season out of the pen, and it's his first full season. Well, he kind of pitched out of the pen mostly for 2015, too. But it's it's like his first, like, I am cl- completely devoted to the bullpen season for Juan Nicasio, and he's pitched really well. So I think that's like the kind of guy that you get on, like, a two-year or one-year sort of deal for a couple million, and that works out. Um, I like Justin Terrian. I think he's, you know, a, a nice strikeout-heavy pitcher, doesn't walk a lot of guys, good control. Uh, I think he can make it out of the pen there. Um I don't know. What do you think about Yaxel Rios? I kind of like him. So do I. And yeah, we—I spoke to him uh, a few weeks ago. But I mean, 
Yeah, I haven't been following exactly what he's been doing lately, but um, I, I still he even he said it himself. I, I still think he has some things to work on. You know, he said his delivery is uh, he's always kind of fiddling around with it. Um, so I think until he, he gets that straightened out, I don't think we'll, we'll see him. Okay. So that that's like a place where I feel like they could potentially – like use a young kid, but they could also go out and get someone like, I mean, they could even blow it on like Luke Gregerson or something like that, like get a relatively decent reliever um, and just decide that we need a stopper in this bullpen, you know, most nights. Um, And then that seventh spot could be like anybody. And I feel like, like a Jake Thompson could slide in there or, you know, um, what about us even? What's that? Even Ikoff could, could slide in there. Yeah. I don't, I just, I, I don't I don't know. I want to put him on my roster for next year, but I also see like a, an elongated injury in the near future for him that could be very problematic. And I don't know why I see that. I there's no basis of, 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 of for anything on that, but I don't know. I just right. Negadelphian talking, right? <laughs> but so so what your ba- your basically your team is basically like most of the young kids are there, not many like big time veteran plays. Do you think that team like nah. actually wins like more than seventy games? Um, I, I think it'd be around seventy, between seventy to seventy-five to, at the most. But I don't know. I just to me, it's I don't see them signing that many free agents because it's like we've been talking about this for years and years already that they have the best minor league system and they're they're the top three in the league. So it's like let let them play for once without without signing. Like they did this year, even Howie Kendrick and Saunders and Hellix, and that's why I don't see him signing that many at all. You know, like I said, Jason Worth really was the only one. So it's like just let let these guys play. That that's what I think, and I think after the 2018 season, that that's when you'll see him strike. And I even spoke to um, Jason Stark um, back in December, and he said that the Phil, he said from the people he's talked to that that was the Phillies. Uh, year to compete 2019 not even 2018 so you know he he knew that so nobody else really did we all we were all thinking it's gonna be 2018 but i don't say i see it after 2018 is, is when they really strike so do you think like after 2018 they go out and sign manny machado or trade for mike trout or sign bryce Harper? yes but yes. they'd have to do more than that right i feel like they'd have to do like three or four things that year Right, but I think you're going to know who's, you know, who's made it past that point. You know, it, it, I think you're gonna, the jury will be out on Aaron Nolan and Nick Pavetta by that point. So yeah. I think you're going to know what what exactly. You, and they have so many guys. It's like a couple of them have to hit. So that that that, that means it won't be as many moves, um, you know, signings. Well, because a few of these guys have to hit. Well, so my argument is that I think they know already. Or, or getting to know on Michael Franco, on even J.P. Crawford, on Aaron Altair, on Cameron Rupp, on Tommy Joseph. Like, I feel like they're getting to, like, their decisions on those guys right now. And that may inform what they do over the next 12 months. And I could be totally wrong. I mean, they could be very patient, and they could be, like, ultimate Sam Hinkie. I just feel like in baseball you have to be a little different than that, and you have to kind of graduate to being a superior team and uh, as I'm watching this, so the Cardinals just tied the game off of Hector Nair. So he's not on your team next year. I'm just letting you know right now. (laughs) 
Fam, Tommy Pham just hit yeah. a t- game tying home run with one out in the ninth against Hector Neris. Yeah. That's, See, uh, this is why yeah, I feel t- like they're going to make graduated moves next year because you can't go into next year with like Hector Neris in your bullpen and expect that you're going to like make fans happy. You know, like I feel like in baseball it's a little different. Like you need to like graduate to contention. That's just me. Yeah, I mean they they kind of did. Like to me, it's like they brought in Nishak and and um, and uh, Joaquin Benoit, who both of them have like in the mid twos ERA for their career. So. You know, it just didn't work out. Yeah, but so that, like, but that's that, that's why I feel like you're gonna get a, I don't know about Giancarlo Stanton, but you're gonna get Jake Arrieta, Arrieta. or like someone like that right. next year, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I mean, as long as it looks better than this, <laughs> that's yeah. all I care about, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, can't suffer. We're gonna have another extra inning game tonight, so buckle in, dude. <laughs> well. If the Sixers are playing until June next year, I think yeah. we'll, we'll forget about it. Well, but then it'll be July, and, and, and the Phillies will be 25 back, and we'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Here comes training yeah. camp. All right, man. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Corey. I appreciate taking the time, and we'll see who is more right uh, next year in spring training. All right, Tim. Thank you. I want to thank Corey Sharp for coming on to talk about the 2018 Phillies with me. Oh, I can't wait. Bring on next year, right? <laughs> oh, man. Thanks to BenSound.com for the music for the podcast. Um, and go to philliesnation.com for all the good stuff about the Phillies. Our podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube.com slash philliesnation. We're on Twitter at philliesnation. We're on Facebook at philliesnation.com, excuse me, facebook.com slash philliesnation. And we're on Instagram at at philliesnation underscore. I am all over the place right now. It's because I'm in the Rocky Mountains and I want to get out and hike. Okay, we're doing it. We're getting out and hiking. Thanks for listening to the Phillies Nation podcast. We will be back next week with a full program. I am Tim Malcolm. Check you later. Check you later.